as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I am Andy Wilson, also a big shiny robot. So we've got two movies for you this week. Uh, The first is Bleed for This, which is the underdog tale of a uh, real-life boxer. And we also have the Harry Potter prequel, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Although I think we're going to start with Bleed for This really quickly because, well... You got to eat your vegetables before you get to the turkey, right? Exactly, yes. And and hopefully um, all of you are going to be enjoying your Thanksgiving feast this year. I'm currently cooking mine because... Where I work, we don't get Thanksgiving off. <laughs> uh, anyways, though, so Bleed for This is the, uh, it's based on a true story about a junior lightweight world champion boxer uh, named Vinny Paz, who is played by Miles Teller, uh, and he's kind of at the top of his game, he just won the championship, and he gets in a car accident and breaks his neck. He actually uh, breaks his third vertebra. And when he wakes up from being in a coma, the doctor's like, hey, uh, we need to fuse your spinal cord together to make sure oh, your uh, your vertebra together to make sure that your spinal cord doesn't break and doesn't leave you paralyzed for life and if we do this i promise you you'll be able to walk out of here and at least have some kind of normal life but vinny is a huge uh, huge boxing fan he's again top of his game this is what he loves this is his life and he refuses to let them do that and instead says hey put this halo on me which is pretty much like a you know head brace that's drilled into your skull so you can't physically move your neck so that his uh, neck can heal normally, which will then allow him to you know, get back into the game and, and start boxing again. Everyone says he's crazy, but he goes for it. And he is soon joined by his new trainer, Kevin Rooney, who's played by Aaron Eckhart, who is absolutely fantastic in this movie. Um, I didn't even know it was him for the first 30 minutes just because he looks so different. Um, he's half balding. He's got an accent. Does a tremendous job. Uh so his trainer comes in, refuses to train him at first, and then sees just exactly how dedicated Vinny is to getting back in the ring and healing himself, and decides to go with him and kind of push on. So the interesting thing about this movie is, you know, we, we've all seen the the underdog come from behind sports story. I mean, we've got Rudy, Southpaw, Rocky, you know, it, it's kind of a well-known trope. Uh, and in this situation, it's well done uh, as far as, you know, we got this character... Uh, Vinny, who is overall a nice guy, you, you kind of you don't really identify with him too much, but he's not—he's someone you can root for. Um, unfortunately, the biggest problem with him is Miles Teller. Um, personally speaking, I'm not a huge Miles Teller fan. I've always found him very annoying. He does yeah. a decent job in this movie, and that's—and that's fine. But he kind of has the Ryan Reynolds Van Wilder syndrome going, where. No matter what he does, he always still kind of comes across as dude bro Miles Teller. And even with a Jersey accent and, you know, being a boxer in this, that still comes through. I can't tell if it's just because the types of roles he's taking kind of plays off his own personality. uh, Or if he's just not that good of an actor and just can't push through that. I don't know. We'll we'll see how time goes on. Why not both? (laughs) Or both, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of a big problem. Uh, also, the movie is very, very methodically plotty and slow. Uh, it's the two hours feels like three. Um, about an hour in, uh, our, our friend Brooks leaned over. He's like, "It's only an hour." My like, crap! <laughs> I thought it was at least an hour and a half. Uh, so it's yeah. Those those are just two do big strikes against it. But like I said, Aaron Eckhart is fantastic. Uh, 
I don't know if we'll see him coming up, you know, as far as awards buzz going on, but this is definitely a role that he he should get some recognition for because uh, he's absolutely fantastic, and it's it's almost worth the price of admission to see him. So if you can get in for a matinee or like a five dollar Tuesday, and you get nothing else to see. Check it out, but aside from that, I would say just wait for Redbox. It's, there's nothing new here. It is excitingly shot. I mean, the, the boxing scenes are fun, but there's just too much plot to get in the way of the story, and it just kind of drags on, and, and Miles Teller doesn't help it. So, uh, 6 out of 10, again, it's not bad by any means, but there's a lot better stuff out there, and eh. If you really want to see a good boxing movie about an underdog or someone kind of rebuilding their life, uh, go watch Southpaw from last year, because that's fantastic, and does a much much better job uh than what joe younger tries to do here with uh lead for this yeah it's too bad i mean i i like aaron eckhart but yeah i just i can't imagine that with everything else that's out there right now that i'm like oh i really want to go see this boxing movie um i mean unless you're a super huge fan oh no and, and this is based on a true story so you know this this took place in the 80s so i was a young child back then so i don't know this the story of this boxer but you know if for people of a certain age who who maybe remember this, you know, when they were growing up or when they were adults, um, it might resonate more with you. But yeah, for everyone else, there's there's just better things out there. Yeah. Well, speaking of the things that that are out there that are better for folks, the long-awaited Harry Potter spinoff, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. This is the story of Newt Scamander, who you may remember uh, the textbook Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was one of the books that Harry Potter read in his first year as a student at Hogwarts. And this is the story of Newt Scamander coming to Manhattan in the 1920s, uh, going around finding out all about all of these Fantastic Beasts. And he's been traveling all around the world and he's got a suitcase full of monsters. And guess what? It, it gets opened up and some of them escape and he's the only one who can track them all down and get them back there. On top of this, things are not going particularly well in New York at this time. Uh, just as prohibition against alcohol is going on in the muggle world or as it's known in America, nomadge, which I just hate that word. I just wish yeah, they it doesn't. It, it doesn't have the right, the same kind of roll off the tongue feel that Muggle does. I mean, Muggle just sounds so much better. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds more uh, benignly racist, which is what Britain is great at, right? <laughs> oh, we call them Muggles. That that's very pleasant. And so we have a we have a slur against them for being non non magic users, but at least it sounds better. Yeah, so. Um, there is, of course, in the Harry Potter world, an international treaty of secrecy, which uh, says that the the human world can't find out about the wizarding world. And so they do everything that they can to, uh, to keep that from them. Uh, and part of this is now that just as humans have, have banned alcohol, one particular uh, person within the wizarding world named Graves, who works at the uh, Congress of Magic, played by Colin Farrell, uh, has tracked down all of the magical beasts in the New York area and banned them and banned their sale and banned their trade, which, of course, makes Newt's commander's job all the harder. 
Now, on top of that, other things are afoot. Something is loose in the city that is terrorizing the human world, and they don't know exactly what it is. Uh, it's described as a shadow with lightning eyes, hmm. and it's destroying things, and they don't know exactly what, what's going on. Uh, meanwhile, there is a group of anti-witch zealots called the New Salem League who are out there also trying to stir up trouble, trying to say that there are indeed witches and wizards among the human world and want to bring back the Salem Witch Trials. And they would eventually grow up to become Trump voters. <laughs> uh, yes, this is this is the one century earlier version <laughs> of, of that, that same thing. And... Uh, among them, uh, the, the New Salem League is centered at an orphanage uh, where this woman has taken in a bunch of children and she sends them out to go distribute her leaflets. Uh, the oldest among them, Credence, uh, who is played by Ezra Miller, who is our DC Cinematic Universe, The Flash, has some sort of connection to, to Graves, to Colin Farrell. And they're plotting behind closed doors, and we don't know exactly what is going on. But there is a greater danger and a greater conspiracy afoot. All the while behind this, we keep hearing about the the dark wizard uh, Grindelwald, who uh, we may remember from the seventh Harry Potter book, uh, was a dark wizard who wanted to set the human and wizarding world against one another in a giant battle. And then set up a uh, quote-unquote benevolent set of wizards to rule over the muggles uh, for their own good and their own protection. So against this backdrop of uh, discrimination and uh, danger, uh, we have this lively tale about trying to track down all of these cute little monsters who, who got out of New Scamander's box. Aiding him in this is a former Auror, Tina, who's played by Catherine Waterston, and her sister, uh, who is a mind reader. And they cross paths uh, with a muggle uh, named Jacob Kowalski, who is played by Dan Fogler. He is a canning factory worker who wants to open up a bakery. And this is where the real magic of this movie comes from. Mm -hmm. I don't know if David Yates is a student of old school filmmaking. By old school, I mean a century ago, silent movies, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But we have here paired the skinny straight man and the funny fat guy. And it's kind of your classic Abbott and Costello uh, sort of comedy going on here, especially... Uh, Kowalski, as a muggle, has no idea what's going on, and he is our way into the story as well, learning about all these things. So, of course, everyone has to explain to him what's going on, so we as the audience uh, get what's going on. That's both the beauty and the downfall of this movie, because, uh, because Fogler himself is so charming and so good in this role. And he is, in in my opinion, the best part of the film. Mm -hmm. But because the movie has to take so much time to 
explain everything that's going on, it gets a little bit boring. And it it's kind of weirdly paced that we get like a bunch of boring exposition and then something really exciting and kind of scary happens. And then a bunch more boring exposition. And then something else really exciting or scary happens. It, it's not like a good roller coaster ride. It's one of those roller coasters where you, you spend the whole time like ramping up and then you don't fall very often. You just go right down and that's it. I'm, I'm of a really split opinion on this. Mm-hmm. For uh, Harry Potter fans, which I count myself as one, I think this is like a seven or a seven and a half. But if I'm being actually critical of the movie and, and how well it's actually done, it's like a six. It's it's good, but it's not great. And uh, comparing it to the other Harry Potter films, it is better than a couple of them, but in no way near as good as uh, the best of the series. And uh, quite frankly, this is a setup to a much bigger set of movies, and that's what they're trying to do. It's really trying to take on a whole lot and make us get ready for that universe, and that's just a really hard job to do. If you're a Harry Potter fan, you are always going to go see this. If you're someone just looking for a movie to go see over Thanksgiving with your family, um, if you're choosing between two magical universes, I'd still go with Doctor Strange as the better film. And if you're looking for something a little smarter, I'd still go with Arrival. Yeah, and that was... It's killing me the fact that I haven't been able to see this. It was, uh, you know, just, again, work this time of year is, is destroying my life, and there's only so much free time I have when I'm not there, uh, but I was really, really interested to see kind of how they took this because, I and mean, the the short story that this book is, this movie's based on, it, it is very, very short. It's it's almost like a a little encyclopedia of magical creatures, and yeah, it's when I heard oh they're making five movies out of that, I'm like, well, J.K. Rowling better get <laughs> better get to writing because there's a there's not much here. Uh, so, I, I guess my question is, you know, does being the first in a five movie series it's got to of course kind of develop the world because even though we are familiar with Harry Potter and we know everything about you know the world he's in that was in England and so now we're over here in the US and like you mentioned we have the no matches and the magical congress and everything else so <clears throat> I would have to guess there's a, there's a bit of originitis in the sense that you have to kind of develop this yeah. new world it's so hard because it's like you look at the Star Wars movie last year. It was right. the same, but it was different. But they didn't take all that long explaining all the ways that the universe was different. And uh, the same with like Creed, the Rocky sequel that came out last mm -hmm. year. There's just no time for that. And it makes me question exactly what they were trying to do. If it was done for the reason that I think it was done which is an oblique social commentary on America, then bravo. You could take this as a major indictment of American xenophobia and, uh, and violence towards people that they don't understand, the death penalty, and, and race relations at the time in uh, 
in America. Or you could say, well, that's not really fair because, you know, um, Britain's got its own problems. So, yeah. uh, it, it's, you know, if, if Brexit hadn't happened and Trump had been elected, then maybe touche Britain, you can, you can go ahead and make that critique of us. But, but no, I, you, you messed up too. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think you can, you can quite do that if, if the same forces of, of hate and intolerance are, uh, are present in your society as well. So I wish that if they were trying to make a social commentary, it would have been clearer and it would have been done more deftly. But in, in as much as I can take that away from this, I think that's very good. Mostly what I come away from this with is an appreciation of films from a century ago, of, of Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and Abbott and Costello and films of the silent film era and an appreciation of, you know, the fact that, that any old person can, can be a hero. That's nice. Even in the, even in the world of Harry Potter, the non-magical people can be just as much heroes as, as the wizards. Mm-hmm. I like that. Everything else falls a little bit flat. I, I guess then the biggest question is, does this make you want to see another one? Yes. Okay. I definitely I definitely want to see another one because they've opened up a huge world here. And as I mentioned, if you remember what was going on with Grindelwald and Dumbledore in this same time, I want to see that next chapter and how Newt Scamander fits into that. I think that will be very interesting because I think that was explored very well in the Deathly Hallows book and in the Deathly Hallows movies. But in as much as we can go back into that even more, I think that's great. And that's where they're going to go. I think it's good. I just think if this is a, a you know what I really want to compare it to is the first Harry Potter movie that mm-hmm. Chris Columbus did. Uh, in fact, the first two. I thought they were both okay, but they were not great. They didn't really nail the spirit of the books until they got to that third movie that Alfonso Cuaron did. He really ramped it up and and made it great. But, you know, those first two Harry Potter movies are serviceable and fine in a lot of ways. They're just not great. Yeah, because the, the, the problem with Chris Columbus with those movies is that... Uh, he he really tried so hard to put everything that was in the book in those movies, and it, it felt more like just you know a carbon copy of what was what the book was instead of making it its own thing. And then of course with uh, Quaron with uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, is at that point the book started getting bigger and bigger, and so you had to of course cut things out and move things around and do things differently. And you know that's where he really stood up, and that's when you know as, as much as the series. I guess you could say that was when the, the, the movies hit puberty, because that's kind of when the actors did, because it started growing up and morphing into something that was its own thing, and uh, you know, on to the end of the series. Although I, I do think, you know, you know, David Yates has done like what four of them now or three? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So four. He did. So yeah, maybe and maybe it's time for someone else to come in and take a shot. You know, that might be interesting. And the thing is, is you know, Quaron was not. He was not a genre director. He was not a 
a Harry, a guy out of the Harry Potter universe. He was just a director, and he came in and he yeah, who was known made, for making art house films like Etuma Tambien. Yeah, exactly, and and that is why Azkaban, in my opinion, is the best of the Harry Potter movies. Not only all of the stuff with time travel and and the major twists that you get with with the characters. I, it's my favorite of the books, it's my favorite of the movies, and I think it's the best adaptation, especially you look at like the symbolic filmmaking that he's doing, how many clocks show up in that movie, and the way he shot some of it. And um, I think my, my favorite scene in any of the Harry Potter movies is when Hermione goes off on Draco Malfoy and is like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be the crap out of you." <laughs> and she, yeah, and um, they just did that all so well. So I think Yates did a great job with the last three of the Harry Potter movies, though. So I'm not gonna complain. I I just think that this was this was not a fully conceived idea. This was all set up so that they could move the franchise into the the next set of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reveals that they do at the end, they're like, oh, okay. Um, I, I see where they're going. They're, I don't want to discuss the spoiler, even though it's all over the internet. Well, and I haven't um, seen it myself either. I, I've been pretty, pretty spoiler-free as far as that goes. So, Well, someone shows up in this movie. And uh, and shows up as a specific character, and I think it's a very poor choice. So um, I'm I'm not happy about that, but I'm excited about seeing the rest of the universe. Cool. So I, I guess overall, this movie, like you mentioned, if you, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you're gonna have more fun with it than someone who kind of goes in blind. But that that sense, I mean, who out there is not familiar with Harry Potter? I mean, even if you don't haven't read the books or even seen the movies you know who he is and you kind of know about his universe so um, i'll tell you what though my my eight-year-old son hated this movie really yeah he said it was the worst movie he's seen all year did he so, see gods of egypt no he did not see gods of <laughs> egypt. i mean he's he's seen kids movies and and he's seen doctor strange and 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 that's about it um but the kid has good good movie taste. Kubo's his favorite movie of the year. And uh, but if an 8-year-old is saying your movie is boring and too scary, I think that tells you a little bit about what's going on in the film. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Like I guess for me that the Harry Potter series, I you know, people started out reading them as kids and they grew into adults when the series was finished. So, we've kind of turned it over to this new generation, you know, cuz your kids have they they've seen all the movies, right? Yeah. So, but again, they didn't... I don't know, it's weird because I kind of grew up with that. I mean, I didn't start reading Harry Potter until I was an adult. I was 18, 19. Um, but I was in my late 20s when I finally finished the series. For me, that was... It's always been... It, it wasn't part of my childhood, but it kind of feels like it was. I, I'm excited to see it. I, I, I'm hoping maybe one day this week, when I don't have a million other things going on, <laughs> I can hop out and take a look at that. But... Uh, overall, this this is the the movie of the week. Uh, bleed for this six out of ten, just kind of okay. Uh, and Harry Potter, uh, or excuse me, Fantastic Beasts, where to find them? If you're a fan of this, the Harry Potter world, you will enjoy it more than those who aren't. Uh, yeah. Uh, next week we've got well we we've, we've got a couple things. We've got Moana, which is the new Disney animated film. 
Uh, I've been looping the soundtrack for the last week, so Lin if that's Manuel. any indication, <laughs> it should be really, really good. Uh, we also have Bad Santa 2, uh, which is the uh, the sequel to Bad Santa with Billy Bob Thornton playing a drunken, lascivious mall Santa. <laughs> and then we've got Allied, which is the uh, the, the war drama with... Uh, Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard. Thank you. Couldn't, couldn't think yep. of her name. I, knew, I remember his name. Couldn't think of his name. Her name. I don't... I'm, I'm seeing Moana for sure. The problem is they scheduled four screenings at the same time, so I don't know how I'm going to go about seeing the rest of them, but I will try my best. But until then, everyone have a happy Thanksgiving and hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly. Punk ass fly.